From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. You can also text the letters EWTN to 55000 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. Well, we've made it to another Friday. Thank you so much for carving a little time out of your day on this Friday afternoon to join us on here on EWTN's Open Line. If you'd like to be part of the program, the number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, that number is one 205 2712985 and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 12052712985 and you can always send us an email that email address is openline at ewtn.com I'm Jack Williams, Michael McCall producing the program your call screener is Matt Kubensky and Jeff Burson handling our social media efforts so if you're watching us on YouTube and fa- uh, or Facebook Live, first of all, you're very confused right now. Second of all, I'll clear that up for you in a moment. But you can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, our normal host, our very own Vice President of Theology, Mr. Colin Donovan, a little bit under the weather this morning. So uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, the dynamic deacon, gracious enough to... Uh, join us for the hour here on Open Line. So if you've got a question for Deacon Harold, pick up the phone and give us a call at 833-288-EWTN. Deacon Harold, you're in the mountains. Yes, I am. I'm in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado. My first time here to Colorado Springs. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I've, I've never, I've, I've actually hardly even traveled to Colorado just twice before in 20 years. Now, did they um, warn you before you got there to make sure you were hydrated and all that good stuff? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. The first day I got here, I went for a walk. I usually walk about five miles a day. And about 20 minutes into the walk, I felt lightheaded. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? You know, <laughs> I said, this never <laughs> happens. And so I came back and I and I mentioned it. And, and they said, oh, it's the, the altitude. You have to drink tons of water. Yeah. And I, was, I, didn't even, I didn't even think about it. It didn't even cross my mind. So... But since I've been doing that, I've I've been fine. So (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome. Well, thanks for being so gracious with your time and filling in for your good buddy Colin today. Uh, We've got an email here from Basil in California, and he wants to know why does the gospel go to great lengths to establish the lineage of Jesus being a descendant of King David? Joseph was his foster father, and therefore Jesus has no blood ties to him. The lineage of Jesus comes from his mother Mary. Yeah, so you got to remember the the four Gospels, they were writing for different audiences, right? And so Matthew was writing for uh, the Jewish uh, uh, followers. Um, Mark was writing for the early Christians. Uh, Luke was writing for the Gentiles. And John, John's in a different category, right? John John is is a a whole thing in, in and of himself. But let's stick with the synoptic gospel. So Matthew was writing for Jews. So you notice in Matthew's gospel, the very first thing that he does, 
he establishes the lineage of Jesus. Now, why does he do that? He does that because he knows that his, his, uh, the people he's writing to are Jewish, and he has to establish that Jesus is a descendant of, uh, of uh, David through Abraham. Or, I mean, Abraham through David. So he, he starts with Abraham, and then he works his way to lineage down to David, and then from David to, to Joseph. Okay, so if he doesn't do that, then they won't want to listen to anything he has to say after that, because he has to establish that this is the Messiah, again, through the lineage of Abraham, through David, and from David down to Joseph. Um, and so, so he has to establish that. Now, Luke, uh, in Luke's gospel, Luke also does uh, a, a kind of a genealogy establishing the lineage. Um, but what's interesting about uh, in Luke's uh, account is that he, he traces it back to Adam. Okay, so he traces it back to, to Adam down to uh, Joseph and then, and then to Jesus. Uh, and what's interesting there is that uh, it, it, it almost seems a little bit odd because it, it, he's tracing it in, in a sense through the line of Joseph. Um, and so, but Joseph is the adopted father, right, uh, of Jesus. And so um, there's a little bit different lineage there because, remember, even though Joseph was the adoptive father, he was still considered his father. That's the way the Jewish, uh, the Jewish people thought about adoption. Even though you were adopted, you weren't the physical, biological father of that child. You were still that child's father. And so Matthew traces it through the, the history of Israel and uh, back to the, the, the Abraham. Uh, and and um, Luke traces it through Joseph's lineage uh, going back to, to Adam. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Um, I'm anxious to hear your answer to this question. Uh, it, it hits a little close to home for me as well. Brianna writes in, How do I progress in the virtue of humility without finding myself slipping into pride at the advancement of humility. I feel like I'm in a constant state of one step forward and two steps back. That, that is a great question. And we have to remember what humility is, right? So humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less, right? So, so now, when you realize that God is working in your life, that you've been given gifts and talents— and you use those gifts and talents to glorify God, not yourself, to glorify God. That is the sweet spot, right? So that's what we have to now recognize. Okay, I have gifts and talents that God has given me. I have abilities that that other people don't have in the amount that God has given me. That is a gift. And to recognize and acknowledge those gifts, that's not a problem. That's not arrogance. That's not pride. Just as recognizing that. Just like in the parable of the talents, God has given every single person talents and God expects us to use those talents again for his glory. Remember Psalm 115, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name, give the glory. And so we use what we've been given to glorify God. It's only when we use those talents to glorify ourselves where, hum where pride comes in. Right. So humility is recognizing I have these gifts but I'm using these gifts to glorify God. And pride comes in when you recognize you have gifts, but you use them to glorify yourself. 
where you where it becomes about what I do and my accomplishments, not what I'm doing for God. So for myself, I recognize that God has given me ability to speak and to write. Right. So I've written five books. Uh, I travel, you know, 250,000 miles a year all over the world. I've been to 25 countries and I recognize that God has not given those same gifts to other people. So for, for it would become pride if I said, well, look at what I'm doing and look how much greater I'm doing than what these other people. That's that's stupid. I mean, I don't think about it like that. I think about, OK, I, I'm actually nervous about the gifts I've been given, to be honest, because I recognize that, OK, I have these gifts and I have to use them to give that that 20 fold, 50 fold, 100 fold return on, on God's investment. So what do I do? I spend time in adoration. I spend time in silence and prayer. I, I, I submit myself to praying the rosary every day. And of course, the divine office as a deacon. You know, I do all those things to keep myself centered and focused that the gifts that I have been given are always to glorify God and not myself. And, and so focusing on, on prayer, focusing on silence and allowing God to, to use you as his vehicle. Because um, remember, we're just instruments. God is the musician. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free phone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Melissa in Livonia, Michigan, and we've got plenty of time for your phone calls here on EWTN's Open Line Friday. Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers sitting in for Colin Donovan, who's a little under the weather today. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is one 205 271 2985 and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line. I want to call from Deacon Harold's native Jamaica at 1-205-271-2985. We've always got the email address. If that suits you better, you can send us an email, openline at ewtn.com. That's openline, all one word, at ewtn.com. Com. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. A couple of open lines for you still at 833-288-3986. And we've got plenty of time for your phone calls here on EWTN's Open Line Friday. Again, Colin Donovan, our very own Vice President of Theology, out today, but the very capable Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers sitting in on EWTN's Open Line Friday. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. Brand spanking new book, Hot Off the Presses from EWTN Publishing this month, Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing by Kristalina Everett. This powerful book features the captivating stories of 12 women who overcame personal trials and societal deceptions to become champions for the kingdom of God. 
you will acquire a step-by-step spiritual defense plan and grow in confidence as you experience healing from life's wounds and God's mercy in making all things new, overcoming self-doubt, reigniting your faith, and stoking the flame of your love for God and much, much more. That's Women Made New, Reflections on Adversity, Transformation, and Healing by Kristalina Everett, available now at EWTN's Religious Catalog. That's EWTN.RC.com, EWTNRC.com. One line open for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. And it has been brought to my attention that Deacon Harold is not from Jamaica. He is from Barbados. But I still want to call from Jamaica, so that's no. You're not <laughs> off the hook, Jamaica. First up today is Melissa in Livonia, Michigan, listening on Ave Maria Radio. Melissa, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Thank you. What can we do for you today? I have a question about um, purgatory. Um, is it possible to do purgatory on Earth and attain heaven right away after you die, or is there a does everybody go through a cleansing period before they go to heaven? That is a great question, Melissa. Excellent. So here's the, here's the deal. So after the fall, there were two effects of sin. There was the eternal punishment for sin, and there's what's called temporal punishments for sin. And so uh, Jesus, you know, the, the worst effect of sin, the, the eternal punishment of sin is death. Okay, so Jesus had to come conquer death to show that not even death, the worst effect of sin is more powerful than God's love and God's mercy. But even after that, the, the, the eternal effects of sin has been remitted through Christ's death and resurrection, which we access through the sacrament of reconciliation. The normal way that we access is through the sacrament of reconciliation. There still remains the temporal or earthly effects of sin, the attachment to the things of this world. So after death, that those last vestiges are purged, those, those um, what's called concupiscence, those desires and attachments to earthly things are purged after death in purgatory. Why? Because Book of Revelation says nothing unclean can enter heaven, right? But on earth, while we're still alive, the temporal punishment of sin can be remitted through indulgences, right? So the indulgence, indulgences are the remission of the temporal punishment due to sin um, before we die. So um, you can access indulgences. There's a a book called The Handbook of Indulgences, um, and it talks about in order to gain an indulgence, and there's two types. There's a plenary indulgence, which remits the full uh, uh, temporal punishment of sin, and there's partial indulgences, which remits part of the the, uh, temporal punishment due to sin. But in order to gain an indulgence, there's three things. You have to uh, go to sacrament of confession first, right? And you have to receive communion worthily, and you have to pray for the intentions of the Pope. If you do those three things and do one of the prayers or one of the, the um, uh, one of the things from the, the, the handbook of indulgences, you receive either partial or plenary indulgence. So to answer your question directly, Melissa, if you receive a plenary indulgence and then you die, because remember, if a plenary indulgence remits all of the temporal, temporal punishment due to sin, that means when you die, you go straight to heaven. But, but the thing is, once you receive a plenary indulgence, as soon as you have another thought, sinful thought, you're back, you, 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 you uh, are, are back, to, um, uh, back to the state of uh, the temporal punishment again. So it's almost, 
And not even I didn't say this. It was one of the saints that said it's almost impossible, you know, <laughs> uh, that once you get a plenary indulgence, not to fall back into sin again. Uh, but that's where the, the gracious uh, mercy of God's love comes into play. That even if we receive the temporal, uh, the, the plenary indulgence, receive all the remission, if we fall back, we still have uh, access through indulgences for the temporal, um, uh, for the partial indulgence, or after death, we still have, we have purgatory. So, and if either, either you know, if after death and purgatory, you're, you're going to heaven. You know, um, all purgatory means is that you're, again, remitting those last vestiges of holding on to temporal things before you enter heaven, but you are going to heaven. So does that help, Melissa? Yes, thank you. Yeah, you're most welcome. Thank you for the question. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Don is a first-time caller in Springfield, Missouri, listening on Catholic Radio Network. Don, you are on with Deacon Harold. Hey, Deacon Harold. Nice, nice to listen to you again. Thank you, Don. Yeah, and I wanted to call. There's a parable in the Bible that talks about the, the servant who owed his master money, and then he goes out and he tells everybody, pay him less than what is really owed the master. And I don't understand that parable. I don't understand what it's supposed to be teaching us. It sounds like cheating to me. Yeah, so th- that's a very interesting parable. In fact, we had that in the gospel not too long ago. So, so here's the thing: is it's the parable of the dishonest <laughs> steward. Yeah, yeah, the the parable of the dishonest steward. So, what's happening? Here's what Jesus is trying to 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 accomplish here. So, he's, he's talking about the fact that um, this guy is working. Um, the, the steward is working for the, his master, and the steward is dishonest. The master finds out about it, is going to fire him. So what does so what does he do? He goes, oh man, I'm about to be fired. You know, let me go to to, to the, the the my master's uh the, the people that owe him money, and I'll just cut a deal, a side deal for myself, so that when I get fired, these guys, hey, remember this guy hooked me up. You know, I owed like fifty. Now he he cut it down to forty. So when he goes looking for a job, these guys are gonna remember what he did for him. Jesus is not praising the fact that he's dishonest. What Jesus is doing is praising his ingenuity. Right. He's praying the fact that, wait a minute, this guy realized that something bad is about to happen. to him. so he so he finds this creative way in order to you know, get himself out of that into a, into a better situation. So Jesus is not praising his dishonesty. He's praising his ingenuity, his creative way of thinking um, about how to get himself into a better situation. And so this is a parable that's directed toward the, the Pharisees. Right. That are are. Um, which he and he he calls them uh, quite a few names as, as, as well as uh, 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 when he when he talks about them because it's very interesting. God is gentle and merciful in speaking to people when it comes to people that he that he came to save, but he's quite harsh when he's talking about clerics, right? When he's talking about the the clergy of the time, you know. So again, he's not praising. Um, his dishonesty, he's praising his ingenuity. So he said, we should get creative when it comes to how do we deepen our intimacy and relationship with God. Sometimes we have to be creative in our thinking, in our way of living, in our way of praying in order to bring ourselves closer to God. I think that's the lesson that Jesus is is, uh, trying to tell us there. God bless you, Don. We appreciate the phone call today. One line open for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Um, 
it's either Michael or Michelle in St. Petersburg, Florida, listening on WPBW. Is it Michael or Michelle in St. Pete? It's Michelle. Michelle, you're on with Deacon Harold. Okay, how you doing, Deacon Harold? Um, well, I just wanted to share something. Um, first of all, uh, there is no flesh and blood lineage that can be traced back to God from that Christ can be traced back to God. Because if you read one carefully, it says, it starts off by saying, as well, suppose. Suppose means something that was done out of custom, about, out of the law. And you can't trace Christ back to God through law. The other one is not a genie, it's saying that this is the gen- this is the book of the generation singular of Jesus Christ. Well, and again at verse one seventeen it says, um, from this person, that person, fourteen generations, from that person, this person, fourteen generations, from that person, this person, fourteen generations. So if you're adding up in the flesh and blood, then you're gonna come up with forty two. But if you put a piece of paper and pencil down and you count from one to forty two and you put a name next to each, it's you only come up with forty one names. The Bible can't be mathematically wrong, so we're looking at it incorrectly when we say that there's a flesh and blood lineage there. There's a spiritual lineage because shall I go on or just leave leave it to that? No, I no, I, I see I see what you're saying there because Jesus is the eternal Son of God the Father, right? Um, but uh, again, so so what the Jewish people are looking and they're talking about Matthew's uh, lineage here. What the Jewish people are looking for, they're looking for the Savior. Right. So they have to they're looking for the divine savior that was foretold um, in Psalm 110, in Psalm 22, um, many times in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, in Genesis chapter 315. You know, it's, it's all pointing toward Jesus. So what Matthew is doing, he's showing through the genealogy, the lineage that traces him back to Jesus as the Messiah and the savior. So that that's what Matthew is trying to accomplish there because he's writing for a Jewish audience. Thanks, Michelle. Does that, that make sense, Michelle? Christ, what I'm trying to say is Christ is a lineage all to himself. And when you, like, okay, are we in agreement? I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible, by the way. Are we in agreement that Christ is the light of the world? I yeah, absolutely. know that point. Okay, so if you look to the beginning, um, God created all of the natural light, stars, sun, moons, and everything to do with the natural light on, on the fourth day. Those are natural lights, plural. But on the first day, we see God saying, let there be light, singular. So what I'm saying is that when God says, let there be light, singular, that is Christ coming forth to be the light of God's word into this world. And then there were two men at the beginning called Adam that were created. One came forth from the mouth of God. He was told that he could eat from every tree that God made. And the other man was formed from the dust of the ground by the Lord God, who was Christ. And each seed and each man reproduced after his own kind. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think what he's saying is 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 definitely off there. Um, in Genesis chapter one, he's talking about the light. Uh, yeah, so in, in on the fourth day, the light he's talking about is the sun and the moon. But the light that he's talking about in Genesis one verse two or uh, verse one was the light of heaven. So that's different. And then of course, there's only one Adam. Um, uh, there, there's not two Adams. So I think he's a little confused there. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. It's a free telephone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Lorraine in Chicago, Illinois. Carmel in um, Midland, Texas. 
and we've got plenty of time for your phone calls on EWTN's open line Friday. The toll-free number again, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Big anniversary this week in the EWTN radio family, Real Presence Radio, celebrating 18 years of EWTN programming. They began with one station in Grand Forks in uh, 18 years ago, and now they have 29 signals in North and South Dakota, Wyoming, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Congratulations to Mark Holcroft and his whole team at Real Presence Radio. We're blessed to partner with you. It's EWTN's Open Line Friday with Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers sitting in for Colin Donovan. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Right back to the phones we go. As advertised, Lorraine is in Chicago, Illinois, listening on the EWTN app. Lorraine, thanks for holding your on with Deacon Harold. Yes, hello, Deacon Harold. I was talking about prayer. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I pray, but I don't. I don't feel like I'm praying the right way. I pray often, but soon I'll be asking God to help my family or help me. I want a different kind of prayer instead of all of this help. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, what what prayer is, it's conversation with God, right? And so it's, it's really being heart to heart with God. Uh, in fact, the word adoration, adoratio, means mouth to mouth with God. Uh, and if you look back at Genesis chapter two, we breathe into our nostrils the breath of life. So there's a beautiful intimacy with God in prayer. But sometimes, and it happens to a lot of people, Lorraine, not just to you. Uh, sometimes our prayer becomes mechanical. You know, it comes about, about functionality. Okay, God, I need you to do this. Here's what's going on in my life. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed with what's going on that our prayer becomes almost like tunnel vision. Okay, God, please do this for me. Please help me with this. But Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 says, I want a loving heart more than sacrifice, knowledge of my ways more than Holocaust. So what, what I would recommend is I would go to Eucharistic Adoration. Now, why Eucharistic adoration? First of all, sometimes our prayer also gets diluted by all the noise that's surrounding us, right? We're, we're surrounded by noise to the point where we become uncomfortable with silence. But in order to hear God speaking to us, to really be heart to heart and mouth to mouth with God, we have to find silence. And so adoration, we're in the silence and we're in the presence of God, right? We're, we're in the presence of the person that we say we love more than anyone or anything in this world. The one, the person that we love with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And so we come before him in the silence and we just give our hearts to him. Don't worry about, you know, um, praying a rosary. I mean, all those things are wonderful to do in adoration, but really we bring our brokenness. We, we bring our, uh, our struggles. Hey, Lord, you know what? I'm dealing with something right now. I love you. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I really need help with this. Um, you know, please, you know, uh, help me here. And just to bring your heart before God, uh, or, or sometimes I'm exhausted. I go to adoration, Lord, I, ooh, I've got nothing tonight. What you got, you know, and just, and just be that, that honest, that, that brokenness, that whatever we have, just bring that to him 
in, in the in the sac in um adoration and just listen to him. Right? It's not just so much about talking to God. It's about, you know, we, we we make our prayer, we make our petition, we bring our heart, and then we just listen. We spend the rest of the time just listening to what God is saying to us. And we listen to the voice of God and allow that voice to transform our lives, to bring us into deeper intimacy with him. So I would rec strongly recommend Eucharistic adoration. I hope that helps, Lorraine. You know, Deacon, uh, once I heard someone speaking, it might have been you, but I heard someone speaking once about adoration, and they said that, you know, sometimes we're, we're looking for tangible results that we may not always see, and that if you sat in a room with enriched uranium for 10 minutes and you walked out of that room, you wouldn't feel any different than you did when you went into that room, but you are definitely different than you were when you <laughs> went into that room. It's kind of the yeah. same thing with adoration, huh? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, you're filled with the, the light of God's love. And there's so many times I, I felt going into adoration, this heaviness, and I kind of felt the same way going out. But then as I, you know, as I surrendered my will to God's, you know, through that, the, the prayer and adoration, you know, um, I, I've come to so a deeper place, a deeper intimacy with the Lord uh, in my life. And everything in my, else in my life got better. My marriage got better. My relationship, my kids got, got better. You know, once you surrender everything to God in prayer. Uh, next stop for us is Midland, Texas. Carmel is in the Republic of Texas, listening on Guadalupe Radio. Carmel, you're on with Deacon Harold. How you doing, Deacon? Um, Do doing well. Um, I did see you one time in Midland, but uh, uh, forgive me for not shaking your hand. Um, oh, no, that's okay. I, 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 yeah, I, I go to Texas your, a lot, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for your service. Uh, good man. So my question is, um, we're going to have a healing mass, and I want to invite a, a buddy of mine that's uh, falling away Catholic, and uh, uh, he's got health issues. And um, I don't know how to convey a healing mass to him without uh, maybe scaring him off. So uh, maybe you can kind of give me an idea of what to say or what he can expect and maybe not expect to from a healing mass. That would help. Yes. So no, that, that's a great question. First of all, I want to commend you for thinking about your friend, um, you know, it's a fallen away Catholic. See, one, one thing you have to make sure that you don't do is try, okay, I'm going to bring you this mask because I want to try and convert you back to the Catholic faith. No, look, you know, what is, he's going through something very difficult right now. And what he, what, your invitation to invite him to the healing mass is like, look, um, you, you know, I, I know you're away from the church, but you know what? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you more than you can ever begin to imagine. And God is the divine physician, right? He, he's, he's the ultimate healer. So I'm inviting, per, I'm sending a personal invitation. Please come with me. Uh, I'm asking you out of love, as a brother in Christ, I'm asking you out of love to come to this healing mass and just have your heart open to everything that God wants to do so that he can bring, you know, uh, you can be open to receiving any healing that God, if it's his will, that God may want to bring into your life by attending this mass. And it couldn't hurt, you know? So so I'm personally inviting you to come and just be open to receiving everything God may want to give you uh, through through the healing mass. I mean, I think that's a, a beautiful way of approaching your friend. Does that help, Carmel? Yes, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for the phone call. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 
833-288-3986. Next up is Carol, a first-time caller in St. Louis, Missouri, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Carol, you're on with Deacon Harold. Hi. Um, I was just interested in your take of um, pets going to heaven. There's some of the priests I talk to say, yes, they go to heaven, and there's some scripture, and others say, no, they don't have a soul. And so I just wanted to know your take on that. Yeah, yeah, th- that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so in order to get to heaven, you have to have an, an eternal soul. So in Genesis chapter one, uh, it talks about God created all the animals, right? And, and St. Thomas Aquinas talks about the fact that everything that's alive, uh, has a, has a soul in a sense, right? So plants, animals, things that are alive have a soul, but oh, notice in Genesis that God created man in his image and likeness, right? So, so he created things that are alive, but then he makes a distinction between creatures made in his image and likeness, right? And so those creatures, human beings, are created with an eternal soul that can enjoy happiness with God forever in heaven. Other things that are alive um, don't have an eternal soul. So plants, trees, animals, including pets, um, don't have an eternal soul. Therefore, um, they will not be with us in heaven. Having said that, right, at, at, at when Jesus comes back in, at the end of time and, and reclaims the kingdom of, of, uh, of uh, the kingdom for his father, um, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. OK, Book of Revelation is very clear about that. So what that's going to look like, whether there are other things there, you know, pets and animals and trees that that still see that still remains to be seen. But in heaven, in the beatific vision before God, uh, um, there will not be pets there in heaven, unfortunately. God bless you, Carol. Thanks so much for the phone call today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. A couple of open lines and plenty of time for your calls at 833-288-3986. Art is in Covington, Kentucky, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Art, you are on with Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Well, thank you, Deacon, for being uh, being on the radio. Uh, thank you very much. Um, Mike... About six months ago, this is November the 4th, of course, of 2022, but uh, about six months ago, I believe there was a problem down in uh, in the state of Arizona about a priest wasn't baptizing people the way the church said um, he should. But, and this has, I guess, been forgotten in the news, and that's all right. But my question is, when a priest or a layperson, in a, in a case of emergency, baptizes a person, do they say, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Do they say amen at the end, or do they don't say amen? Okay. Um, first of all, the normal ministers for the sacrament of baptism are bishops, priests, and deacons. Okay? Um, but anyone can baptize in the case of emergency. So, for example, in my parish, we're across the street from a major trauma center, hospital. And so we have nurses— um, that are in labor and delivery, if there's a child that's born that's in danger of death, they, ba- they baptize, if they see that the child is Catholic, they'll baptize the child. Um, and then if the child ends up 
living. I mean, they'll be recorded in our in our registry across the street in Macklin Heart. We'll we'll register the baptism there, and that it was performed in emergency, and the person who did it, the date and the time, and all of that. So, um, and when you baptize, you must use the formula. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because that's Matthew 28, 19. Uh, Jesus is about to ascend to the Father, and he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you look in the rite of baptism that's done um, uh, in, in the church, there you don't have to say amen afterward. It's just, I, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. And if that formula is not used, there is no baptism. Okay. And what I think what you're referring to, there were actually two instances. Uh, I forget exactly what states they were. Arizona may have been one of them where a priest was watching a video of his baptism. And when he was baptized, the person that baptized, I think was a deacon actually used the wrong formula. I think he said the creator, the redeemer and the sanctifier. And when he saw that, he brought it to the bishop's office and they re realized that therefore his, his uh, com first communion was invalid. His ordination to the priesthood was invalid. His confirmation, everything was invalid. So he had to be rebaptized, reconfirmed, first communion, ordained a, uh, a deacon and then ordained a priest again. So there's some serious repercussions uh, to, for not using the proper formula. Again, we use the formula because Jesus Christ uh, use that formula, and that's what we use in the Catholic Church. Yeah, and I think it was an even even a more subtle nuance than that. I think the formula that was used was we baptize you. Oh, we baptize right. Father, that's the right. Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So so it has to be I because the person that's baptizing do it is doing it in the name in the name of Christ. It's the it's Christ that's baptizing, right? We're just we're just the instruments. Beautiful. Thanks, Art. We appreciate that question today. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Uh, Britain is up next in the great state of Oklahoma. Another first-time caller listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Britain, you're on with Deacon Harold. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, quick question. I had posted uh, a picture of All Saints Day Mass at our cathedral on my social media. And one of my co-workers commented on there. He said that he admires the art of Catholicism, and he always has, but he just gets hung up on the elevated focus on Mary. I just want to know how you guys would respond to that or what resources you would be able to give me so I could give to him. Okay. So um, the elevated thing about Mary. So that, that's, that's a common uh, question that many of our Protestant brothers and sisters have. Why do we hold the Blessed Mother in such high esteem. Uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, if you go back to, to Genesis chapter 315, right, um, that's called the Proto-Evangelium of the first gospel. That's the verse that says, I will put, now this is, the, this is God talking to Satan, right, the, the, the serpent. I will put enmity, which means opposition, although in the Hebrew it's ebau, it means, it actually says hatred. I will put hatred between you and the woman, between your seed and, and her seed. Okay, so what woman is being spoken about there? Now, if you just read the text, you would think, well, it has to be Eve because the only woman that exists at that time was Eve. So it has to be her. But it's not her. How do we know? So first of all, it, it, he's, he's only talking to the serpent. The, the punishment involves two people, right? This woman and the serpent. But God is directing the, the punishment only toward the serpent. So 
so in other words, let me let me explain. So when the twins were young, we had a rule in our house: no ball playing in the house. And um, one, I, I was upstairs. I heard the, a, a crash, and I come downstairs. A lamp is broken. There's a ball on the floor, and they're the twins. So I said, "Who did it?" And they're pointing to each other. He did it. She did. Well, who did I punish? Both of them. So if the punishment involves the, the, the serpent and this woman, why is God only talking to the serpent? Because when this, when this revelation comes to fulfillment, when this prophecy comes to fulfillment, when Christ is born, uh, the only one that's going to be around to, to, to see it is the serpent. So that woman cannot be Eve. So, the, so it's pointed toward Mary. Second of all, he calls her the woman. Right. And if the Jewish people want to say something important, they said it three times. So if we look at the wedding feast of Cana, Jesus calls Mary woman, right? Because not out of disrespect, because the Blessed Mother asked him to do something supernatural. So he's referring to her supernatural name, woman. Um, at the foot of the cross, he says, woman, here's your son. Again, Mary is the archetype of the church. So what he's doing, he's giving care of the church to the apostles. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, the woman with the crown of 12 stars around her head, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, who's pregnant. That's Mary. So three times she's referred to as woman. And then finally, between your seed and her seed, the only woman that existed that gave a, a, a complete and perfect human nature to her child was the Blessed Virgin Mary. So her seed, not his seed, her seed. So from the very beginning, God's plan of salvation involved this woman, who, of course, we know to be the Blessed Virgin Mary. So because of her role and her importance in God's plan of salvation. That's why we, we give her reverence and respect. We don't worship Mary, but we give her reverence, honor, and respect. And the fourth commandment says, honor your father and your mother, right? So if we're brothers and sisters of Jesus by, a, by his death and resurrection, and, and therefore we are also sons and daughters of the Blessed Mother by adoption, you see? So that, and we, and we honor our mother and father, so that's what we're doing, we're honoring her and the role that she plays in salvation history. Thanks, Britton, for the phone call, and if that, that's a lot to take in, so if you'd like to, to re-listen to that answer, maybe when you're in a position to take some notes, um, it'll encore tonight at 9 p.m. Central Time in your time zone. 9 p.m. you can catch the encore of EWTN's open line. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Still time for your calls at 833-288-3986. You know, we had a powerful five-part miniseries hosted by uh, Mary Hassan called The Transgender Movement, What Catholics Need to Know, that aired on EWTN television last week. Well, next week we've got a big EWTN open line event. We're going to air each of those five episodes, uh, one on Monday, one on Tuesday, all the way through Friday in the first half hour of open line. And then our open line hosts will comment on the episodes uh, in the second half hour and take your phone calls with questions about uh, about this wonderful miniseries. Um, uh, you know, Mary Hassan uh, and her guests will discuss the issues that are now confronting the family and how the church can respond, the transgender movement, what Catholics need to know all next week on EWTN's Open Line. Next up is Michael in Spokane, Washington, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Michael, you're on with Deacon Harold. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, Deacon, as you know, um, millions of abortions since 1973 have occurred in America. Millions millions of unborn lives taken and lost, and a heartbeat can be detected four to five weeks after conception. 
I believe conception begins at birth. What can be done more to help the unborn equality protection? Yeah, so I think it comes about uh, what we do is recognize the dignity of every single human person. A human, he said, conception, uh, uh, the human being starts at the moment of conception. Okay, so when the sperm and the egg come together, there's a complete, unique human person uh, that's created there. So recognizing the dignity and the respect of every human being, no matter how they came to be. So some people want to make exceptions because of rape and incest. And, and as horrific as those two things are, and, and they're they horrible, it's not the child's fault. The child is an innocent victim of crime in those cases. So, and we don't kill crime victims. We, we, we don't kill innocent victims of crime. So the child did nothing wrong, but to recognize the beauty and the humanity of that child and, and to recognize that, yes, this child may have come about through difficult situations or circumstances, but God can use even that to bring a, a glorious um, resolution to a, to a very difficult situation. So recognizing the humanity and, and helping all of our brothers and sisters who, who you know, whatever political perspective they're from, to recognize that even though we disagree, or we, at least we can agree on the fact that every single human person deserves the right to, to, to live. Um, because all the other rights that we have mean nothing if we're not alive, right? So it starts with recognizing the dignity and the honor and the respect that every single human person deserves, starting at the moment of conception. Next stop is Lacey, Washington. Rhonda is a first-time caller in the great state of Washington, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Rhonda, you are on with Deacon Harold. Thank you very much. My question is that I... Being raised in the Catholic Church, I was always told that um, being gay or lesbian is not accepted by the Church. But now we're being told that we are to accept lo and accept it with love. And so I'm confused. Um, okay. No, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Here's, here's the principle. We love everyone but we always don't love their actions. And we judge actions, we never judge people. All of our brothers and sisters, whether they're same-sex attracted, whether transgender, we are to love them completely and unconditionally. We are to love them with the love and the heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no question and no doubt about that. In fact, if you don't love the person the way that Christ loves them, right? Love God and love your neighbors yourself, the two greatest commandments. If you don't do that, you're not Catholic. I'm just going to say it straight out. But here's the thing. Here's the distinction. We, we have to love and accept everyone, but not their actions, their lifestyle choices, and their decisions. See, the problem is, Mary, that we live in a culture that says my actions and my decisions determine who I am. And that's not true. What determines who you are is a deep, intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not when he, not any actions that you that you may uh, that you may do, that you may commit. That's not determines who you are. You see, so so that's the distinction we have to make. We love them unconditionally. We cannot accept their actions. Now the church is not teaching the, the church has not changed its teaching on this. So I'm not sure where you're you're hearing this from. Maybe you're hearing this from some other Catholics. There are Catholics, priests and others that are promoting uh, the, the actual lifestyle, the same-sex attracted lifestyle, 
But that is not the teaching of the church. Uh, again, we love and accept everyone, but we don't accept their actions and their decisions or their lifestyle choices. Next up is Linda in St. Charles, Missouri, listening on Covenant Radio. Linda, you're on with Deacon Harold. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I did have a question. So after we die, I know that they talk about being attached. They say you were had an attachment to either, like, say, gluttony, or you have an attachment to a sexual sin or something like that. So now you die. You, We don't have a body anymore. How are we still having that um, um, attachment or, you know, they say you're supposed to, like, detach from things. Does that make sense? Yeah, so so those attachments you're talking about, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, was the temporal punishment for sin. Though they, although they come through the body, they actually come from what's called what St. Augustine called concupiscence, the desire to choose those things which are not of God, those desires for earthly attachments and creatures. That comes from the spirit. So that's what's purged. Those last vestiges are, of that are purged in purgatory. Because when we get to purgatory, um, we, we're 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 desiring heaven. So we're allowing the fire of God's love to burn away any of those desires that we those those desires that we have that separate us from God. Those are those those things come from our spirit. Those aren't just bodily. Those those come from our spirit. They manifest themselves bodily, but they come through the spirit. So it's the fire of God's love that burns away those things in purgatory. Uh, does that does that make sense? Uh, it does. Thank you so much. Yes, you're most welcome. So, Deacon Harold, would you like to give a big shout-out to your peeps there in Colorado? Yes. You know, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to uh, to Tom and to Lori, who brought me out here and arranged everything. I spoke at Legatus uh, two nights ago. I spoke at a parish, um, St. Gabriel the Archangel, last night. I just spoke to school kids at St. Mary's Catholic School this morning, and I'm speaking at the men's conference, the Infernal Men's Conference, tomorrow. I want to also thank... Um, Monsignor Price, the rector of the seminary. I'm staying at the rectory here uh, at the cathedral in the seminary and also uh, Father Riccio. Uh, they've been so gracious. And of course, I want to thank the, the bishop as well. He was just uh, a phenomenon. I met him. I served with a deacon for him the other night, and he's just a wonderful shepherd. So I want to thank everybody for making my first trip to Colorado Springs very memorable. I feel very welcomed here. Deacon, would you leave us with a blessing? Yes, may Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On behalf of our host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, filling in for Colin Donovan today, our producer Michael McCall, call screener Matt Gubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks for another great week of EWTN's Open Line. Back at it again with the transgender movement, what Catholics should know on Monday. Have a great weekend. God bless.